You're listening to a bonus episode of the Dairy Age, featuring Chagisk's weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also available as a podcast. Good morning, everybody. We love Derek O'Donoghue from Palace Henry Ag College to give us an update on the dairy herd and what's happening there. Good morning, Derek. Morning, James. How are you? I'm delighted. We um, I wasn't sure whether we'd get um, somebody on from Limerick this week. Maybe his touches could still be celebrating. But, oh, we'll be um, celebrating and we'll be celebrating not alone this week, but we'll be celebrating the same week <laughs> next year as well. <laughs> uh, five in a row. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, look, it's in terms of a good win at the weekend, it's going to take something very special, I think, to to, to stop that five-in-a-row charge. But hopefully somebody comes and um, um, pushes us for it next year anyway. But more importantly, the cows still have to be milked in, in, in Limerick and plenty of them still had to be milked in Limerick. So <clears throat> we wanted to be on, Derek, in terms of maybe a little update. Some people would be familiar, and in fairness, um, uh, a lot of people maybe follow you on, on Twitter um, in terms of the Palace Canary Dairy Herd. Um, just give us a little bit of a background, I suppose, for people that maybe don't know much about the herd, Derek. A little bit of a history in terms of the changes that's happened, uh, just to set the scene maybe before we get into specifics. Yeah. Okay. So I suppose, looking simply, we're just running, I suppose, a very simple grass based system, high EBI spring calving. It wasn't always that way. Um, we were in liquid milk, and we were autumn and spring calving. and we made that transition just over six years ago. So the initial decision was, first of all, to move away from autumn and spring to uh, spring calving. And along with that, then to change the cow type, um, we had been involved in, had a liquid milk contract. Um, I was initially with Dawn Dairies. And I suppose what had crept into the herd was a certain level of infertility with cows rolling from, um, spring to autumn and, and autumn onto spring and when we just looked probably at the genetics and like they say you can't beat breeding but if the breeding is going against you you can't beat it either um, so we had high high volume cows not necessarily um, high high solids uh, but, but certainly high volume but what we had was a lot of infertility um, within the herd and that was just down to genetics so mm. the decision was made to change to a high EBI um, with its focus on fertility um, to be able to calve compactly in a 10 to 12 week period. Now, I suppose the unfortunate thing was when we looked at what we had um, based on genetics, what we had didn't suit the system that we wanted to move to. So we changed out entirely as in sold out um, the entire herd that we had in place and started off in the new with a mixture of younger stock. Um, and we did buy in some cows. But basically, we bought in on EBI yep. and we bought a mixture. We bought everything from pure Jersey to pure pure Holston Friesian and everything else in between um, just to set the foundation. Yeah, really, it was based around high EBI genetics and the best of what was available for two years in terms of... Um, the purchasing in at that point yeah so look yeah so we went on high ebi and to try and get a reasonable balance that what that wasn't all coming from fertility um and from there then we have just used black and white sires predominantly so in the last two years we have used some sixed um jersey but it has been black and white so we don't have a crossbred herd and while i said we bought pedigree there was four sorry four pedigree cows came um in on, on the purchase but the herd is a black and white herd as of now 
yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in terms of then, I suppose there's been changes in terms of the 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 size of the herd over that period as well, and just maybe give a little background in terms of where the herd is at now from from a size point of view, and also I suppose from a stock and red point of view. Yeah. So like we were. So prior to the change, we were running somewhere in around 200, 200 cows and keeping all, well, first of all, in when we were autumn and spring, with a higher replacement rate, we were carrying open 30% replacements. Um, so when we transitioned to high EPI spring calving, um, we effectively removed the, our replacements off the farm and went contract rearing and the ground that was freed up, um, we then um, increased the herd size. So Last year we were milking 460 and that's we would be maxed out at that um, at a stocking rate of just over two and a half or a cow to the acre. Um, we don't we're not going to don't envisage going any higher than that. And our grazing platform and our um, farm stocking rate, they are the same and the cows can walk to all the farm. So uh, we're back this year to 390. That's with TB. We're lingering dealing with TB since last July. But the plan would be to come back to 460 and to be steady at that. Um, and we don't envisage going ever beyond that. If anything, we'll, we'll be coming back. Okay. Yep, absolutely. Um, as always, folks, do post your questions. Anyone that has any questions for Derek, um, post them and we will endeavour to ask them. I suppose before we maybe move on from that, is there anything, and there's, pl- there's plenty of farmers that I suppose have done that in terms of, we, we call it the trading up of genetics, Um is there anything that if you had your time back, Derek, you'd, you'd do differently type of thing? Or are you kind of happy with the path that you've that you have taken over the last five to six years? Um, because this is a significant process, obviously. Yeah. Um, I suppose the only, we brought in a lot of young stock and we we didn't, we initially didn't go at 400 cows. We probably were coming in at 290 to 300. We were trying to grow the herd since. Um, so we were, and now TB has thrown us back again, but we're dealing with a young herd probably for the last five years between changing it and expanding the herd. So we just don't have the output as of yet. We don't have a mature herd. Um, and the reason we went specifically that way was to try and, well, first of all, to probably bring in better genetics. Um, but secondly, from a, a disease point of view, to try and elim- minimize the number of older stock coming in. In hindsight, we probably would like to have, if we could have bought an entire herd that was... A mature herd, that would be the ideal. Um, that wasn't feasible. Uh, in the only thing we tested for, we just, the only thing we tested for was Neospora, um, because we didn't want to bring in that. And invariably we brought in a small bit of it. We did bring in a good bit of Yones, but effectively the younger stock, we really had no way of testing as such. And the herds we were buying from weren't Yones testing. Suppose in hindsight, if we were going back, we would try and if at all possible purchase from herds that were in the owners testing program um but look that's just one of the things we've come up against yep yep absolutely and in term in terms of disease protocols then did you um a vaccination protocol from the outset to, to yep. mitigate any risk so look i suppose being and being a college with so many students coming in and going out and um, we're effectively vaccinating for everything that there is um so we took it on the assumption that any stock coming in we're going to go on a full vaccination program so anything that we that could be vaccinated for and we were vaccinating for we did not test for because we were going to be vaccinating anyway yep very good very good 
So maybe to move on a little bit more to the day-to-day stuff, I think it's important people maybe get the context that there's been significant change. It's still a relatively young herd, but breeding, we'll say, should be finished on farms at this stage. Um, I'm going to take that as a given. Um, but how how has it went? How has the that breeding season went maybe um, so far? And have you done anything differently this year that, that you wouldn't have done previously maybe? Um, well, suppose this is our second year of um, just using um, 100% AI and we've just gone away from stock bulls. We just couldn't keep stock bulls um, or prevent stock bulls going lame. Um, and then the additional cost of um, getting stock bulls, whether we kept some of our own. So we've gone 100% AI um, for the last two years. Um, it's working quite well. So our heat detection is totally off colours. Um, we are five years now on and that is working very well coupled to the automatic drafting system um, purely because we're we're tight on labor we don't have a big labor pool on the farm so it pretty much has to be automated otherwise it won't be done um we did so we started the heifers are contract reared in Roscommon so we synchronized those um they got all six semen one round and then stock bulls to mop up so that seems to have gone reasonably well we used very little sex semen last year um, it was on the cows. It was probably our first year using it as such. Um, we we're probably overcautious in that we, we have sense hub and it does give an indication of, in terms of the suitability or otherwise for sex semen, we probably read into it too much, um, which meant we didn't use much. But this year we used sex semen in the first three weeks on any cows that presented. Um, and you could say some cows maybe may not have been suitable, but if we're going to make a go of it, um, but it seems to have gone now. We look, we'll have our final scan there in three weeks' time, so we'll know definitively once all the scan results are in and matched up and run um, an indices fertility report how we've actually fared out. And then obviously that has left a lot more open to beef bulls as such. You've condensed your 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 dairy breeding season, we call it, um, down. Would you have, Was every cow in the herd ultimately bred to dairy or only the best selected or how did you work that? Yeah, so I suppose, look, the Neospora cows came out first, so we don't breed them to dairy and we don't want Neospora positive calves coming back in. And then based on milk recording results, just the lower performing cows um, were bred to beef right from, from the start. So we will have beef calves coming in earlier. And after that, um, once all our freezer straws were used up, roughly the first three weeks were nearly all um, Apart from the beef, the rest were, were Frisian, and 70% of those were six straws. Yeah, yeah very good. The selection of beef bulls, um, how did you go about that? I know I was talking to you last week in terms yeah. of you've, 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 um, tweaked, you've tweaked that as such. Look, um, we, don't, we don't keep any beef calves. We keep 50 beef calves just um, first part of teaching for dairy calf to beef, so we, we are selling calves. Um, we were locked up this spring, so last year we used... It was all our beef last year were um, Angus. And that's purely because the exporter was as happy to take an Angus bull or heifer as a Frisian bull. Um, but with, I suppose, just specifically, just maybe focusing last year um, on DBI or as a selection tool and using high DBI bulls um, and then with short gestation cows, we were getting very small some sorry some very small calves yeah. um we weigh everything we all calves are weighed at birth but a 28 kilo calf angus calf it's going to take a long time before that calf is 
of sufficient size, we'll have the age, but of sufficient size to be able to be sold, um, whether that's on-farm or off-farm. So I suppose we've put a, more of a focus on the beef um, component of the DBI this year um, and put a greater emphasis and weighting on that, both in terms of how much of the, the, the DBI is made up from beef, because look, we know there are high DBI bulls that are not necessarily great for the beef farmer. And look, we have to be conscious of the beef farmer and the beef industry in terms of what their requirements are as well. So look, we need it's going to be next spring before we'll see how that pans out in terms of calf size. Yes, yes, yes. But absolutely, in terms of no different than the EBI index, it's you've really delved into it and you're looking for then a balance rather than a bull that's particularly uh, highly weighted for one index over one part of the sub-indexes over the other. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, very good. There's a question in there. I was just actually coming to it, but in terms of, um, there's a couple of them actually. Um, milk solids sold per cow and kilo of meal fed in 2022. Yeah. So where is animal performance at for 2022, um, Derek? Yeah, so and, and so look, based on a crop performance report, um, we sold 461 kilos of milk solids last year delivered into the crop on an average 278-day lactation. Um, and that was just over 50% of the herd were first and second lactation animals last year. So look in terms of where where we'd be hoping for pushing close to 500 kilos of milk solids when the herd matures, mm-hmm. um, kilos fed, um, we have a target of three quarters of a ton. Like last year, we were hit by drought. We're hit by a bit of drought this year. Um, it's up and down, but 700 kilos plus or minus 100 probably is where we're aiming for. Um, we're yeah. nearly 600 kilos fed, but we'll claw it back this year because we had a month of drought this year. Yeah. Um, but that's so that's kind of where, kind of where you're, yeah, you're at 460 odd delivered uh, as the herd settles down. It's kind of 500 kilos of milk solids off 750, 800 kilos of meal. Is that's the hope? Is 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 where, yeah. it's where you're yeah. pitching, as look, you say, you'll have year to year effects on that, but correct. I don't think with, yeah. with over 50% of the herd, first and second calvers, um, I'd say you won't be that long getting to that. Um, Okay, in terms of then the grassland piece, and I suppose the level and quantity of grass you're going growing on farm, Derek, and I suppose then what's the current situation like? Because we're after hearing John there. Um, I know I've been on the farm before. It's not a, a heavy farm, but how are you managing? Yeah, so we're okay. I suppose we're lucky enough in that um, we got our second cut in cut last Thursday and Friday um, of last week. So that's starting to that, that's starting to come back well, actually. Um, we're okay grass-wise. Um, we're running it at the minute about 175, I think, yesterday in terms of grass cover per cow. But we will we'll be able to start building grass from now on as well um, with, with the silage coming in. So thankfully that hasn't been delayed because if we were to leave it this week, we would be struggling, I'd say, to get silage cut this week. Um, year to date, up to the middle of July, we're back a ton per hectare total growing versus last year. Um, but we had that drought there. Um, and now we have the opposite. Um, Utilisation is probably a little bit tricky at the minute. Um, look, we have a, a reasonably dry. Some of it is low. So, um, some of our farm is under um, basically the level of the River Shannon, the land that was reclaimed. Um, but it's just surface water, more so than anything, has been the issue for the last week or 10 days. And look, we've been trying to pick where cows go at night. Um, 
try not to damage ground because there's a lot of grazing left between now and just as John was mentioning there. Um, we housed for one day um, or one half a day there last week in heavy rain, but that, so far that's all we have been in for. So, so year to date, we're back on grass for this week and next week we're, we're okay and hopefully we'll, look, grass is growing, um, so we should be okay um, and should be able to build grass there from early August onwards. Quality issues, I know it was difficult in terms of coming out of that dry spell and trying to correct quality. Are you happy with where quality's at or is there a wee uh, bit of work to be done yet? No, there's a look. We we have started um, topping our, our, our mowing, dismowing. Um, fields did go very um, stimmy there in the dry weather. Um, we haven't been able to, we weren't able to go in straight away because we were tight on grass. But now as grass is coming on, we are, we probably have half of those paddocks that need to be done, done at this stage. Um, but we are running the more over those from, from last week on again, um, just to try and have at least have everything right that we can get good graze outs um, at the back end of the year. That, that bush and that stringy stuff is gone. Yeah. A couple of other questions, I suppose. One of them is around silage, and we'll maybe come to the clover question and see where you are at with regards to that. But silage first in terms of you've changed your strategy maybe slightly this year or, or, or tweaked it, I would say. Yeah, so we went. So normally we would be going the last week in May with a reasonable first cut. So the fact that all our grazing platform and the entire farm cows, so we everything was grazed in the spring. Um, so we normally cut the last week in May, but we did go. We took a third, about just over thirty percent of the silage out. Um, on the fifteenth of May, we had kind of two weeks earlier. Um, just to have, I suppose, two things. First of all, to have some silage was of better quality um, should we need it in the spring because we don't produce much milk from silage really um, but to have some good quality silage or better quality maybe um, and then to go with the main cut I suppose it stood to us the way the drought came actually because that was that after grass was coming back in when growth we did start to get a pinch in growth um, suited the contractor as well because they were just anxious to get some of the, what they needed out um, and try and spread their workload. So I think it's something that we'll repeat next year. Okay. Yep. So it's about really getting some real high quality stuff in there yeah. early and then using making yeah. uh, making And hopefully we won't need it. Yeah. But if we yeah. do need it, it's there. It's inevitable over the last few years, let it be dry spells or even there was a, a very tough March um, into April period this year where some farms had to feed a level of silage to milking cows. Um, the clover piece, where is that with regards to that? Is incorporating Str- clover in your in, in your receding program or what's we're struggling? Okay. Um yes, look, we look we have look, we have a lot of receding done over the last five years. Um and clover went into um every mixture. How much of it is there now? Probably zero. We haven't been good to manage clover. Um we being quite honest, we didn't manage fields to retain clover. Mm. And we probably have only started that in the last two years. Um yeah. so yes, we are in we have broadcast um the last two years some clover, some of it is hit it is hit and miss. Mm. Um maybe some of that hit and miss was down to our management afterwards. Look, it's a skill that we need to learn ourselves here in the college in terms of pre-grazings, low covers, holding back on fertilizer. Um, yes, it is a mind change. Um, we've been struggling, but I think we've been struggling because we're not doing what we should be doing. 
Yeah, which is it's a similar situation in terms of it's no different than the commercial farms. Um, I know Donal up here in Valley Hills looking at the trial, he'd say that maybe it's nearly about doing small areas and trying to get the management right on that, Derek, isn't it? And that's um, what we started doing this year, look. Yeah, look, the, um, what was received last autumn, we have deliberately there from early May held back on fertilizer. And it's hard when a field is looking off colour and after 18 or 19 days, it doesn't have the same volume of grass in the early part of the rotation. Um, you just have to bite your tongue and stay away from the spreader. Yes, okay, but, very good. Um, there's a, another piece I want to touch on with you um, is this area of, I suppose, labour and um, you have a re- relatively large scale herd, obviously. Um, you have to attain and keep labour. Um, but the idea 10 and 7, uh, 10 milkings in 7 days and second in the second half of lactation, it's something that got an awful lot of interest both on the Let's Talk Dairy webinar with him and also in terms of uh, in the open day, Derek. You did it last year. You're in the process again. Talk to us. Tell us what you're thinking. Yeah, so um, we are, so obviously, look, um, all our labour is, is fully implied and look, you're very conscious that um, of work-life balance. Um, we had looked at, I suppose, was there any way of, easing labour um, last year um, in terms of milkings after the breeding, because so I haven't come through a busy spring, then a busy breeding season, could we make things easier? Which had been looking at what some of the work that had been done in New Zealand. And I suppose really what kind of initiated was the 17th of July last year, which was All-Ireland final day. Um, and we had, we only had the availability of one milking on that day. That's all we could. So one, two of our own staff were off. There was a relief milker in. Um, we were only going to get a morning milking because he was going to the match. So we didn't milk that evening. And kind of we had made a decision in the week up to that, that, look, we would try um, 10 and 7 and see how it went. Um, the We are, I suppose, two things. We were probably bit last year. So we had a lot of milk um, in fixed price last year um, with the development that had gone on in terms of repurposing of a cow accommodation in the milking parlour we were badly pinched last year. So our milk price last year and this year really hasn't changed. So some people may be considering 10 and 7 this year with milk price. We were in that position last year, which was a second factor. Um, so look, it was from the 17th of July onwards. Um, we said we'd try it and see how it went. Staff were very happy. Um, cows did get used to it. Look, after a week or so, there's no no big issue there. Now, what we did do last year... Um, Slightly different to this. Just so last year we milked um, two days, sorry, two milkings today, one milking tomorrow, two milkings, one milking the whole way through, which meant every second weekend, one of the two days, there was two milkings. We've changed somewhat this year in that now as on the weekends, there's only one milking on a Saturday, one on a Sunday. Um, I suppose our only judgment was cell, there was no there was no major elevation in cell count. Um, and in terms of kilos of milk solids delivered, um, it was similar to the previous year. So we had 461 or 462 last year, and it was 458, two or three kilos in the difference. I know every year is different. The herds yeah. are not the same. It's not a research. It's not, but for in terms of getting what we deliver into the co-op, we didn't see any major difference and we were happy to go with it again this year. 
Okay. So I suppose the big one in terms of um, what I would have been saying in, in Mirror Park is that cell count. And it needs to be good before you even consider it, Derek, I suppose, is a, is a key point. Yes. But you, you, you didn't see any issues in terms of in terms of rises in cell count? No, look, look, there's a small rise. But look, it's, not, it's nothing major, nothing, than, nothing more than any other year as the lactation moves on. Yeah, and come here, I suppose some of the other questions I'm going to ask you, because um, ultimately you're living it from a commercial farmer perspective. Um, the transition in the cows, I think that's the one that maybe farmers are, are maybe concerned about um, these days where the cows are only being milked once a day. How long does it take these cows to settle down? Are they unsettled? The cows, um, the cows will adjust quickly. Look, I suppose. Look, I suppose we had we we milk one. We we haven't done it this year, but we would normally milk once a day um, until the first second week in March. So once a day milking was nothing new to us anyway, and was nothing new to the cows. Um, so and we look, we we body condition score there six weeks before breeding, and any any cows under a low body condition score go on once a day. So once a day wasn't something new to either the cows or ourselves. Um, we body condition score again in the autumn, either go once a day or dry off early. So that concept was was nothing new. Um, look, the cows look they do transition. Um, obviously, look, I suppose if they're near the yard, um, at the early in that first week and the first day that they're on a once a day milking that you're not going around whether it's a gate or a tractor or a quad whatever they're used to at close to evening milking time that they think they're coming in um just take out those noises that they naturally associate in that first week and after that they'll transition quite quickly um just need to close your ears sometimes when they're at the, the gap and they hear that yeah. noise or rattle of a gate that are normally associated with an evening milking. Yeah, very good. But the main thing is if you've gone out of the yard and you won't know it's happening. <laughs> so it's a, it's kind of a week, yeah, Jerry, you were saying. A there, week or so, yeah. Yeah, to settle and, down. And, and the settle went down fine. Um, current performance, wh- where is that at? And um, if there's any other questions, folks, um, before we finish up for Derek. Do yeah, so... Look, um, up to so we're we're slight so based on co-op performance report, we're, we are we are slightly back. Like we're back ten kilos um of milk solids up to the most recent one, the, the end of June, um. But we have a younger herd this year than last year, and that's just down. I said to, to losing cows, cows with TB, um. So apart from that, look, that's what you do see an adjustment. Um, as soon as you go on on once a day, look the um. The liters are back somewhat, and and the, and the solids are up. So, yeah. um, look, cows are tipping away. Oh, okay, okay, very good, very good. Um, I don't have anything else, Derek. Um, look, what I think it's it's a real good synopsis, and it's it's good to have you on maybe to outline what is going on within the college. Um, there's been a lot of changes over the over the last number of years, some of which we didn't even touch on in terms of, as you said, big expenditure in terms of actual facilities and what's available in terms of farmyard infrastructure as well, but also the big one in terms of the change of genetics. Um, for anyone that is interested, Derek, you do is of great updates on, on, on Twitter. Um, I suppose that's what got me thinking too, to, to have you on ultimately. So do follow um, do follow the Palace Palace Henry Jerry Herd updates uh, on Twitter. There is a question in there on 
there's a question in there on costs and cost of production and stuff. What I, what we will do is over the next week we we'll have a we're going to have a let's talk dairy um specifically on cost of production where it's at um given where milk prices go and um and ultimately how sticky costs are being this year in comparison to next year. They haven't changed an awful lot. So um, we, we'll answer that then. Um, so thanks a million, Derek. Uh, as I no said, problem, James, you're welcome. we appreciate it. Especially, the, especially the week that's in it. Exactly. Um, we're going to wait and see, does the does the five in a row come through? If it does, we'll, um, we'll have you back on again. Perfect. That's all for this week's bonus episode from the Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with the usual Dairy Edge podcast on Monday, so do listen in then. I'm Stuart Childs, and thanks for listening.